This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Editor-at-Large of Recode. You may know me as someone who will not rest until I've interviewed every tech CEO's mother, Karen Zuckerberg, call me. But in my spare time, I'm just a reporter and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about power change and the people you need to know. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Mae Musk, a model and dietitian who you may have seen in ads for CoverGirl in magazines like Vanity Fair and New York, and even in the music video for Beyonce's song, Haunted. You may have also heard of one of her sons, Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla and SpaceX. Last year, she wrote a memoir called A Woman Makes a Plan, Advice for a Lifetime of Adventure, Beauty and Success. May, welcome to Rico Decode. Thank you. Looking forward to talking about fun stuff today. Lots of stuff. So one of the reasons I mentioned that in the beginning was because I interviewed um, uh, the Wojcicki mom, uh, Esther Wojcicki, who's the mother to uh, Janet and Anne and uh, Susan Wojcicki. And we were talking, it was, hers was a lot about parenting and we're going to talk about parenting. Let me tell you, I have met Esther. We were actually into, we were talking in the same conference in Stockholm Uh and we were interviewed there together as raising three children, each of us raising three children. And we've become good friends. That's Great. You have two other kids, just to remember. Uh, people tend to focus uh, in the Zuckerberg family. Mark, but Mark has other brothers and sisters, and and and, and the Wojcicki family is three daughters, who are all of whom are remarkable. Um, and we're going to talk about parenting and a bunch of other things. But let's get a little bit about your background. First of all, you're calling this a woman makes a plan. What can you explain that to people? I think I know what you mean, but can you explain why you called it that? Well, first of all, uh, when um, you talk about your life history and the lessons you've learned, that's what the, that's what the publishers wanted me to do. So I spoke about growing up in South Africa, born in Canada, growing up in South Africa, and if things go wrong, you say a bulmaka plan. That means a farmer makes a plan because in farming things go wrong and you have to make a plan. And so that's why translated it goes to a farmer makes a plan. But um, we thought. My publisher thought, well, mostly it will be focused on women making plans, so we should call it a woman makes a plan. But many men have read my book and they say they've made plans too, so that's good. So the idea is you can change plans, is that things change. I think it's not that you make a plan and stick to it. It's Because farmers are really the original entrepreneurs, right? I mean, if you think about it, what happens, suddenly there's a flood and suddenly they have to constantly be changing, shifting plans. So, so even ta- if, if you are a woman and you make a plan, it will not go the way you made it. It right. goes completely wrong sometimes. And when it does, you need to try and get out of that bad situation quicker than I did, because otherwise you suffer a lot. Right. So let's talk about your history. So you have a really fascinating uh, history of, of where you've been. Um, you were born in Canada, but your family 
lived in South Africa. Talk about how you got there. And, and that's where obviously Elon and, and your other children were born. Well, I was born in Regina, Saskatchewan. You couldn't be more Canadian than that. And my parents flew around Canada and America in their one, yeah, one engine plane, um, canvas plane called a Balanca. And I actually have a photo of my twin sister and me. We were called the flying twins because they would fly <laughs> with us. <laughs> and then when we were two and a half, I mean, I can't believe how brave they were that they packed up and moved with four children uh, on a cargo ship. They had to come on a cargo ship because my father wanted to bring his plane. He took the wings off the plane so that it could fit into a container. And then we arrived in Cape Town. He put the wings back on. And we flew up to Johannesburg because everyone says they speak English there, not Pretoria because they speak Afrikaans there. Uh, but when we flew over Pretoria, the, it was jacaranda time and the whole, all the streets were lined with, with the lilac flowers. It's a beautiful it was flower. Magnificent. It's a beautiful tree. Yeah, it's a magnificent so, tree. And, you know, coming from Saskatchewan, you can yeah. imagine this was <laughs> a beautiful sight. And my dad says, this is where we will live. And he, he, he landed there. But based on the tree color. From the beauty, yes. From the beauty. So you landed there. Why Why South Africa? Why, why did he go there versus anywhere else? Why did your parents go there? From what my mother told me when I asked her in her 90s why, <laughs> you know, because you don't think to ask why, she said they were looking between Australia and South Africa just to go adventurous, go somewhere far and try new places. But there were so many animals in South Africa from what they could read about in those mm -hmm. days in 1950. And then they met uh, missionaries who'd been working in South Africa and they said it's very beautiful and there are lots of animals. So that's, mm -hmm. and there's lots of places to explore. And my dad was an explorer. So mm -hmm. that's what we did. All right. So what did you, what did he end up doing there? What did your family, how did your family get by? Well, my father was a chiropractor. He started his practice. He had to educate people on this. He would have a weekly, uh, a monthly a bulletin or a newsletter, now it's called. And uh, actually from the age of eight, my twin sister and I worked for my dad because we would uh, print all the newsletters out and put them in envelopes and address them and send them out. And we got five cents an hour. It was quite amazing. And then at 12, we worked as receptionists for him before and after school. So from quarter to seven to 7.30 in the morning, as well as four to six in the afternoon. And we took turns with that. So we were taught to be independent and we were paid as, as receptionists 25 cents an hour. Oh, wow. We were, <laughs> right killing, you're killing we were, it. You're we were saving big time. And you traveled quite a bit. Your parents took you all over yes. Africa, correct? Well, we went to Zimbabwe, saw the Zimbabwe ruins and the um, water, uh, you know, Victoria Falls was very beautiful. But we went to Botswana, which was Bechuana land, every July. And for three weeks, we would go across the desert. So my parents with four children and then with five children across the desert. And we would start at the one uh, small town. I'm talking about really small town. It's fabulous now, but it was in the 50s. And we would um, say to them, we're going across the desert with a compass to the other side to another small town. And if we weren't there in three weeks, they would send the camel patrol out to follow our tracks to find us because many people had died in the desert. So my parents planned ahead for all sorts of things, you know, like a woman makes a plan, but my dad made a plan too. And they packed a three week supply of water, gas and food. And they went across the desert 
and we would sleep in our sleeping bags on the desert floor and we would zip up our, our sleeping bags so that the hyenas don't bite our faces off because right. we were well, quite scared problem. of the hyenas. We mm-hmm. weren't scared of the, the lions. They they yeah. don't seem to bite humans so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, <laughs> hyenas when, will bite your faces off. Yeah, they do. Your that. life has changed, hasn't it? But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And to, funny enough, I mean, you're wearing the same clothes and you're not, there's nowhere to shower. And we were given a cup of water at night for my twin sister and I would share a cup of water to wash our faces and hands. And then in the morning, we would have to break up the ice because it froze overnight and then break it up to wash our hands and face again. And um, I think as children, you don't mind not showering every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, and, and sand is not dirty. Sand is quite clean. And I mean, most people, the tribes that live in the desert, they, they don't shower. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were fine with that. And this reminds me of two weeks now in isolation. Uh, if you have a roof over your head and there aren't hyenas nearby, I guess we're You're doing good. already doing just fine. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a fair point. So you lived a pretty adventurous life with your father, even though he was a chiropractor, which is more traditional. Well, it wasn't the most traditional. Not then. The, yeah. Not then, it wasn't for sure. But but you stayed in South Africa and you married uh, and had kids. Yes. Yes. And at a very young age, at a very young age, in your 20s. Yes, it was normal. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes, of course it was. And it then. was, I was considered kind of an old maid at 22. You know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> So, uh, but you didn't stay with your husband, right? You you had yes. three kids. You had yes. uh, Elon, you had Tosca and Kimball. Yes. The plan changed really substantively. Yes. Um, yeah, my plan wasn't to get married or to have children. But then in those days, I graduated as a dietitian at 21 and I was giving lectures. I was sent away to Cape Town to give lectures to nurses on infant feeding which is so weird. I was 21. I didn't have a baby, but I'm lecturing on infant feeding mainly because I I did the research work. And then I get a telegram to say, um, congratulations on on your uh, marriage. Uh, You'd have to come up now, you know, happy you're engaged. And what had happened to my ex-husband, who I hadn't seen for two years because my family didn't want me to see him, my older brother especially, because he is an angry man, and mm-hmm. unpleasant to to everyone, not only to our family. He'd come down to Cape Town and he brought a, an engagement ring and I said, I'll never wear it. And mm-hmm. that was it. And the next thing he told my parents I'd accepted his hand in marriage. And um, so then we had a double wedding with my twin sister. And the point is, I didn't know about it until all the invitations were out and 800 people were what? coming. Yes, because of course, my ex-husband worked with my twin sister and her husband, mm-hmm. her husband-to-be, and my parents and got all the invites out. And the next thing I told you, come back, coming back, you're, you're getting married in three weeks. And at that stage, well, talk I was about very, that being a woman like that. that you, here you had a job that you were starting to do, that you yes. were starting a career and you weren't going to do this. What, how, when you look back on that, what is the, how do you think about that? You know, Times were different. First of all, you didn't call anyone. You didn't email. There was Mm -hmm. no internet. You sent a telegram. Mm -hmm. It was too expensive to phone anyone. And then I was also at a stage I'd gained 65 pounds and for Mm -hmm. a dietitian, that's um, not a good idea. Not a good idea, but I did enjoy eating a lot. I always have to watch my weight now. And I've always 
watched my weight and kept it down for for 30 years now. But uh, I'd gained 65 pounds. My back and my knees were hurting. I'd hurt my back badly. I didn't have any friends because I was just on my own. I lived on my own in a, a studio apartment and or studio like rental in a house. Mm-hmm. And I would um, I didn't have any friends or anything. So I was thinking, well, you know, um, it's pretty. Uh, I wasn't enjoying life, and I thought, well, what can be worse? You know. Right. So and then I came back, and then I found out. But you know, he gave me three of the greatest kids I could ever right. imagine. Fair point. Fair point. Fair point. So uh, those nine years of hell. Um, uh, then I ran away with the three kids, and my whole determination was then to have a happy home. To have a happy home with raising kids alone. And you ran away yes. because it was abusive, correct? Yes. It, it yes. was an abusive yes. relationship. Right. Um, and, and what got you to leave? What was the, so you get married under duress and then yes. you stay married under duress. Then I found out that um, what is, you know, that he is, ver- he was verbally abusive always, but that he's actually physically abusive. His mother encouraged him to, to be that way. So that wasn't easy. Uh, I couldn't see my family, so that was hard, and couldn't see friends. I didn't have friends because he wouldn't allow that. Which is now, when when women read my book, they say it's as if it's their story. Right now, when I dictated this, you know, you dictate your stories and then you give advice as to what you should do, and then. I said to the publisher, I don't want to bring in these ugly stories. I mean, because I, d- I don't talk about negative things. And then they said, women will um, yes. relate to this. And they really have. And mm-hmm. they just say it is their story. And when my two brothers and my twin sister read my book, they had no idea I was going through this because as all women do, they don't tell anyone. Right, they don't. That's exactly, silence right. is where that thrives, where people don't talk about it. I mean, yes. people do talk about it more, but it still continues no, to no. be a, a story people, if people don't feel commonality, that may, it's just me. That's, I think, the idea is that you're alone and that's how it works. You feel alone. Yes, and then you find out it's, you're not alone because of social media. Mm-hmm. But again, would you contact your friends and family and tell you what you're going through or could your abusive partner go after them. It's also a fear they have. They live in fear. So how did you leave? How, 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 what, got, oh. what caused you? It was the, having the kids, having the kids themselves and not wanting them under those circumstances. Well, first of all, you stay married for the sake of the children because right. you think they need a father, but then, then, you, then you run away for the sake of the children to give them a, a happier life. And I was packing up to take the three kids with me. One condition after he was physically abusing me was when it's in my book how how it stopped because my mom stopped that because then I ran away to my mom and so she she said no more but then I wanted every holiday I wanted alone with my children in a home that I had bought from after my father died I that's long stories in my book too. <laughs> uh, I bought this home in in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there was no one around, uh, just big trees. But I like the the home just felt welcoming, and you know you go with the, how you feel about it. So then I had a mortgage to pay off, uh, so I had a home to go to. So I would go every holiday with my children, and then one day as I was leaving, he was screaming so much at me. I just said, I'm not coming back. I just won't come back. And that's when I started divorce proceedings. And I got divorced in 10 court days. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. 
which means you you don't get any any right. maintenance and that but that was still worth it <laughs> absolutely my aunt left everything behind she walked out yes. the door with one suitcase and her son and it was you know it was hard but she did it and she's had a much happier life we're here with may moss the author of a woman makes a plan advice for a lifetime of adventure beauty and success we're gonna take a quick break we'll be back after this this episode is brought to you by state farm you've heard it before like a good neighbor state farm is there but it's more than just a tagline because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., We're here with Mae Musk. She's written a book called A Woman Makes a Plan. So you left with your children. This is Elon, who's the oldest. Is Kimball the second? Elon was eight. Kimball was seven. Tosca was five. And uh, the first night that I'm, I'm with them, I say to them, what would you like for dinner? They said, peanut butter sandwiches. And I said, <laughs> whoa, I'm going to survive. I'm so happy. <laughs> because, of course, we, we couldn't afford any meat, fish or chicken anyway. So right. we had to do a, quite a vegetarian diet with anything that you can afford to eat. So it was uh, high-fiber cereals, milk, fruit, vegetables in season, uh, talking about organic now, if you're on a budget, don't even look for organic. You need to f just find whatever you can afford. It could be frozen. It could be canned. But you need to get your vegetables in and your fruit because that keeps you in good health. And I, just the main thing was to be in good health. For the kids. So kids, yeah. I want to talk about your life as a dietitian because I just was interviewing. I'm interviewing a lot of people about food issues and obviously Silicon Valley is super involved in trying to hack food, essentially. But raising a, a kid alone, I, when I talked to Esther Wojcicki, I was trying to figure out how you made your kids so entrepreneurial. Do you think they just were like that? Or is it from your your parents or where do you, where, or yourself? What, how do you, how did you think about race? Because raising a kid alone, kids alone at that period of time was much different than it is today. Well, you know, my parents were entrepreneurial. They did, they worked for themselves next door to us and we saw how they worked. And so my brothers and sisters and I, we all didn't, I mean, I did get that one job for eight months, but pretty much I didn't have another job after that. It was mainly running my own business, which was unusual for a dietitian. Mm -hmm. uh, they thought you need your five years in the hospital before you get out there. But I felt I was more qualified than nutritionists who have no education at all. I had a Bachelor of Science degree. So that's why I, I could see run my own business and I could have children and I could work from home. So that was a big advantage to be able to run your own business from home. The children saw me working all the time. They helped me, you know, Tosca would answer my phone, Kimball would cook, Elon would help me with, as the computers came along, would help me. I was always in the front of the uh, tech industry, although I struggled a lot because you're, you're living alone, working alone and 
every every day there's an upgrade or a change in in mm-hmm. uh, in social media and in in the tech industry. Well, just this kind of talking to you like mm-hmm. this is um, yeah. uh, amazing. We wouldn't have thought of that uh, ten years no. ago. No, not at all. But what do you, what did you think put into raising? When you have you know, it's interesting. Uh, there, there is a sort of fascination with parents that have remarkable children. Um, is there anything that you did, do you think differently or any lessons you think are important when you're thinking about making kids more independent or more entrepreneurial? Well, they had to fend for themselves, especially when we moved to Toronto and, and my... You moved um, to Canada. You moved from... Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, we moved yeah. from Johannesburg to Toronto and uh, my funds were blocked. So I did have a home in Johannesburg and had to sell that, but I couldn't get the money out. So we had to start from scratch and we had a rent-controlled apartment and then... Elon Tosca and I took three weeks cleaning it up while we were working mm-hmm. and then um, carpeted it. So we had something to sleep on. You can sleep on a carpet. Mm-hmm. And then um, gradually getting furniture, you know, it's gradually building it up. And they they all helped. And again, when then I had a few jobs. I was a research officer at the University of Toronto Mm-hmm. and had to write about six undergrad exams to show that I'm good enough to get into the degree, uh, the master's degree. Well, it was going to be a PhD degree. Again, that didn't work out. So I had to change my plans. got another master's degree instead. So um, they just saw me working all the time, and they had to find jobs themselves, which they mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. And Fortunately, one of the dietitians I met, her husband worked at Microsoft. So I said, well, you, you know, can Elon work there for a holiday? And they thought, oh, God, they're doing me a huge favor. Of course, after he'd worked there, they wanted him every time. <laughs> they right, wanted right. him and he, he wasn't going back there because he was moving on. And Tosca, she said she wanted to work in the film business, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she got an internship, but it's an un- – well, besides, she did also some groceries and – and fast food outlets before that. But she went to work as an intern, but an unpaid intern. And then I said, do that. And after three weeks, tell them you're going to look for a paid job, and which is what she did. And they said, okay, we'll pay you. So then uh-huh. she did work for them because she was needed. And Kimball's also an entrepreneur. like you. Kimball is an entrepreneur too. Uh, while he was a student, he had a painting company and he has a lot of fun experiences when he talks about that because he didn't know anything about painting. It was called College Pro. and uh, But that's what students were doing and they were painting houses and making some mistakes and having to redo things and all that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he painted my office when I actually could afford to rent an office. So that was mm-hmm. good. But are there any things? Are there any things that you could make kids more entrepreneurial? Are there any? Well, thing? make them independent. You, you because, worked. Yeah, you worked I worked all the they time. Made them work. They had to figure out things for themselves. As a research officer on staff at the University of Toronto, they could come to university for free or very little, but then they needed to study a medicine or law because that was part of the medical faculty. How they? I don't know why they were attached, but that's how it was. And they decided they wanted to go their own way. So they filled out, they got their applications for scholarships and loans, all three of them in different directions. I didn't even see them. I don't know. I might have signed the applications. Mm-hmm. I can't remember because it would have been late at night when I got home. And they all went their own way and they had to support themselves. So I don't know why they didn't take the easy way out and just live with me and uh, study at my university. I don't know. 
They you don't know. So you did nothing, May. You I did, did nothing. You have nothing. no tips. You have no, no tips. tips at all. Not at all. No. No, but they were all naturally entrepreneurial as children. Yes, but you know, I did a talk the other day and I dragged Tosca out because, of course, she had a little time because she's editing um, her her last movie and there was a bit of a break, so I dragged her out. And then she just said I was their pillar. They always (laughs) could come to me. They knew I would support them with everything. And so they always felt like they had a home, (laughs) even though... um, uh, I and uh, they came first in my life. I mean, everything was about my kids. And people said, when 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 they leave home, I'm going to have the empty nest syndrome, where mm-hmm. where you go into depression. And uh, Tosca was the last one to leave. And when she left, I said, Wow, I work till seven thirty, and I don't have to go home. I can work out. Mm-hmm. I can come <laughs> home, and I can I can eat bean soup and and smelly food and fine and I could walk around in a t-shirt and naked and anything and I couldn't believe my freedom. I'd never <laughs> had this freedom. So you can imagine. Uh, Goodbye, like Elon, Tuscan. Exactly, all freedom. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I just, uh, I have two teen boys who are, one's about to go to college and the other's 14, but get older, getting older. And I just had another baby and my son turned to me with my my girlfriend, um, who's six months old now. And my I, my son turned to me, he goes, you're almost out, mom. You're almost out. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen, I've seen your, your baby. It's yeah, a, she's I a, mean, she's the a, joy is incredible. She's so, lovely. She's a lovely yeah. baby. But it was funny. And I don't feel, I like, I like kids around. So I, but I see, but every now and then I'm I'm like, God, I would have been out. I could have done whatever I wanted. Like, it was an interesting, it was an interesting thing. When people think about how how you create on kids that are self-sufficient, I guess that's what it is. Um, a lot of people have different ways as being tough on them, liking them do themselves. Is there any part that you think is more important or is it just being, like your daughter said, a pillar? Yeah, do you know, I wanted my children to be um, kind and polite and considerate of other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, those were, you know, I was quite strict that way. I didn't like any rudeness or mean. I don't like mean people. I've dated a lot. (laughs) 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 Some very men who would be cruel to me, and and I don't know why I stuck in those relationships. Right. Right. Uh, But, um, no, as long as they they are good and they are doing good things. But then they also saw that as a dietitian, clients would come and see me, and they would be happy to make changes in their eating habits so that mm-hmm. they could be healthier and just feel better about themselves. And that's what many of my clients said is that I don't just tell them to eat better and, and they have to come every week. They also have to stand up straight and walk in with a smile because I don't need a miserable day. Mm-hmm. And they thought that was funny that I should do that to them. And they need to change their clothes. I call them Kleenex clothes. You need to, if you drop 10 pounds, you go out and buy very cheap clothes so that you, they fit you nicely and you, you feel good in them. Because mm-hmm. when you start wearing, like men wearing their, their, they lose 20 pounds, they look like they're wearing their dad's suit mm-hmm. uh, and they look frumpy. So they need mm-hmm. to then get a, uh, inexpensive clothes. I remember Elon's first suit because he was going to, for an interview with a bank. It was $99 and I think it included two two shirts, two ties and a pair of socks. Mm-hmm. And uh, as as he has said, don't bring, don't light a cigarette near me. <laughs> 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 it was so, so shiny. And he had to wear that suit every day. 
because you were not you had didn't have a lot of money. You no, that's like, what uh, we that's what we could afford. All right. When we get back, we're going to talk about your job as a dietitian because there's all. I just interviewed a lot of people about that and modeling and age. You know, ageism in a lot of ways. Oh, great! Of, of what you're talking about, um, and also uh, how your life has changed uh, having such a famous son and uh, and and what's that's like. When we get back with May Musk. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We're here with May Musk. She has a book called A Woman uh, Makes a Plan, Advice of Love, Lifetime Adventure, Beauty, and Success. One of the things you did, I, I was just interviewing Dave Asprey, who does Bulletproof Coffee. I've talked to a lot of people about food. What, when you're thinking, you were saying, I know you were interviewed recently, and you, a lot of the tech guys like to do keto. They like to do all kinds of different weird diets. How do you look at that? I don't know if Elon does that or not, or or, your, or Kimball or others. Or. I don't like weird diets. I don't see why they're doing weird diets. They're very restrictive. There's no mm-hmm. science behind them. You know, I have two Master of Science degrees. It annoys me completely. And uh, if someone tells me uh, when they find out I'm a dietitian, they say, oh, I bet you want to know what supplements I'm taking. My children or my friends will pull me away from them because I'll just start <laughs> insulting them. Because what do you they, say? Tell me what you think about well, what's going on. First of all, I follow research. And if I don't follow research, the doctors wouldn't send patients to me because right, right. I can't make up diets that sure. are not uh, sound and not healthy. So the research shows that there are four diets that have the best results health-wise. The first one is the Mediterranean diet. Then there's the DASH diet. You can look that up because nobody knows, but it's, it's similar. similar. It's a similar, yes. yeah. Flexitarian diet, which is what mm-hmm. I do. And then there's the Weight Watchers diet, which is now called the WW diet. And those are the four that are shown to bring in the best health. Now, when it comes to the keto diet, if you think a steak is better for you than um, whole wheat bread, then I have nothing to say to you mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's dumb. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And, Why did um, you, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. And then, and then, of course, then I will be at a dinner and uh, someone's, oh, I can't eat the bread because it's glut- uh, I, ha- I have a gluten allergy. And then I'll say, well, you're eating the barley soup. And, oh, I said, yes, there's gluten in barley. And then she says, well, I'm not allergic to that gluten. And then I just have to keep quiet. <laughs> I have to move away. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you can't, uh, uh, they don't understand what an allergy is. 
Right, right, exactly. So what, why do you think this has taken off, especially in tech? I mean, it's really fascinating that people are trying to biohack. How do you look at those concepts as a dietitian when you I, see I the don't, concept? I'm of- just happy that I stopped my practice five years ago because I wouldn't tolerate any of this nonsense. I mm-hmm. didn't have it before that. You know, it's really been the last five years with the Internet that, that people are looking for the magic solution. And uh, there is no magic solution. You really just have to plan your food. I'm very careful. Even now, you know, in isolation, I make my bean stew. I uh, eat I eat very healthily. But then I did have a hamburger, which mm-hmm. was delicious. I had Good. half in, half for lunch, <laughs> half for dinner. Yeah. And uh, but I mean, I eat like high fiber cereals and low fat dairy and and yogurt and nuts and seeds and. Um, I eat very vegetarian at home, and then I will eat meat, fish, or chicken when I go out. But I don't go out now. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, so this flexitarian is the idea. What do you think the healthiest thing for people now, especially now when they're in sort of tense situation? But in general, what do you think the the, the science is on? Well, um, the science is that you need to eat for good health and delicious foods. You need to eat the foods you really enjoy. And uh, I have to say. Being in isolation the uh, the other day, I really, if I could go out to the stores, <laughs> then I would go and get myself a huge chocolate and just eat chocolate and lie down here, go into a food coma, a happy food coma. But then I would regret it afterwards, and I've been in that state. So uh, you need to focus on getting the right foods in and having them in your home because shopping is limited. Even deliveries are limited now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you go to the stores, you need to be careful, you know, wear your gloves, don't touch your face, and choose a lot of fruits and vegetables so that you can have enough for five days and then you can go back to the stores again because it's daunting to go to the stores nowadays. Yes, it's dystopian. With all the crowds yeah. and mm-hmm. everything. And a deliver, as I say, deliveries are pretty hard. Uh, there's a lot of food that you can get that you can store for a long time. I've got a lot of frozen fruits and vegetables. I've got canned vegetables. I've got a lot of rice, brown rice, right. wild the rice. I- different the ones. idea is that you want to, uh, with that you don't get to, on these paleo diets where there's you eat just grains, whole grains, fruits, vegetables. Well, the paleo diet doesn't have whole grains. I think it's no, just they a, don't. No, no, it's just meat. It's just meat and dairy. Just, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, I don't enjoy that way of eating. It's not delicious mm-hmm. for me. I like if I'm going to have a steak, I definitely want potatoes with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so yeah, you, you don't do dietitian. You don't do that anymore, correct? I don't have a private practice anymore, but I do talk around the world. Yeah, I've been recently in Kiev, Budapest, Khan, um, Shanghai. I mean, the point is that was last year, of course. I go worldwide talking about, first of all, woman empowerment, feeling good about aging, working when you're older. I'm going to be 72 next month, and I'm quite happy about that. And uh, not worrying about that so much as doing good for the world and keep staying educated. I just finished, well, before my book came out, I finished the 75 one-hour exams I have to take as a nutrition scientist to maintain my registration as a dietitian. And I want to retain it because in the media, they won't allow non-dietitians to talk about nutrition. They actually check your credentials three times before you can get on to CNN. 
<laughs> That's what happened to me because they want to make sure I'm not going to talk nonsense. All right. So you also have been doing modeling and other yes. things. You, you you talk about that because you know you were the I think the oldest person to appear on one of the covers. Is that correct? Or, or... I'm the oldest oldest cover girl. I'm the oldest it girl for Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm. I'm the oldest hype bay. You know hype bay? No, but okay. It's part it's part of hype beast. Okay. And All right. Okay. That makes me super <laughs> cool among nineteen okay. year olds. <laughs> All right, good to know. Good to know because I'm not super cool among 19 year olds. Um, uh, you know, what, I, so what? I had to t- figure that out. Doing that around ageism and stuff—it's really interesting. You—you've been doing this later in your life, correct? Yes. You see, I used to talk about entrepreneurship and uh, and nutrition worldwide. I mean, flew to Australia to at universities to wellness professionals, especially dietitians, to get out there and um, be entrepreneurs. And now I'm speaking more about older women, so age is great for me, older women um, being in the workplace. Because what's happening, like when women become, you know, turn 50, they, uh, people don't want them, want to employ them and men become CEOs. So that's got to stop. And the way to stop it is that women have to support women and men have to support women. There are many men who do support women, but we just need to, um, you know, there's still the old boys club and it's uh, hard to convince them to let any woman encroach on their territory. And so if women are better qualified for a job, they should get it. Uh, I'm very happy that the president of SpaceX is a woman and yes, and Gunshotwell is a brilliant woman and I think she's been there for 15 years or something right she has right? for a long time yeah and uh, that makes me very proud of Elon that way mm-hmm. and now Tosca has started her own company because she was in the movie industry and actually men don't treat women very nicely no they don't I've yeah. read about that yeah <laughs> yeah I've heard I'm about sure Harvey Weinstein yeah. yeah but she never had that kind of thing because she's a director not a not a an actress but she would still be a director producer. She still would, you know, there's a lot of harshness in the business. So now she has her own platform called Passion Flix, and she takes best-selling romance novels mm-hmm. written by women and with the female uh, actresses get the same pay as the male actors mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and female directors. And uh, so she has her own platform so you can watch a romance movie, which are we, the fans are rabid, you can imagine, because they love their romance books. And um, just a warning, they are pretty steamy. Okay. <laughs> so, so it's one of those uh, don't watch don't watch at work kind of yeah, movies. Yeah, okay, I won't. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, and then, so she's doing that. What is Kimball doing? Kimball is um, – he, he started is, Zip 2 with uh, Elon. With Elon, That's yes. when I met them. Uh-huh, I remember. Yeah. I covered that. Oh, you met them then? Oh, sure did. Yes. Wow. I knew Elon a million years ago. A million years ago. A million years ago. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've really seen how they've developed. Well, well I, I always say I knew Elon before he was Elon. You know what I mean? When he yes, was at, well, uh, at, you know, at it, Zip2 and then yeah. X.com, which was yes, very X.com struggle, quite that a bit. became PayPal. Right. And then, funny enough, uh, suddenly I see he was interviewed in a newspaper and I called him and I said, you were, you did an interview because he was shy. You remember? Uh-huh. He was yep. quite shy. 
he did was, the interview. He was. Yeah, I did. He did one of the first interviews with me, actually, for I the Wall Street Journal. Funny. Yeah, we did a stipple drawing. He was very concerned about a stipple drawing at the time. It was <laughs> that little dot drawing, um, okay. which is interesting. Cause yeah. Around his hair. I think it was around his hair. I okay. think it was around his hair. I'm not oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. But he was concerned about it. But in any case, he but was a young entrepreneur. But then he was older. Then, yes, then he was he'd older. Already, he was already into rockets or Tesla or something. Yes. Well, no, it was before that. It was, okay. He was maybe into it. It was way so early. At it was PayPal? Super I it covered him at Zip too, and then I covered him at X.com, and then they merged with PayPal, which was yes. a, a long time ago. Did you? Let, let me get to that. Did you think? Let me finish with that. Did you? What is it like to be have this happen to a child of yours? You know what I mean? Like here's with this level of fame, and you know, and the attention he gets, and just this week with the with the uh, ventilators. Sometimes it's good in that way. Sometimes it's been bad. He's He's pretty, can be very naughty on, on social media. Um, how do you look at that? What is that like? It well, must well, be an out-of-world experience for a parent. Yeah, what it does is that um, uh, I have to have a team surround me. So, Kara, you can't get to me unless you come <laughs> to my team. <laughs> right, and, right. Uh, because uh, they have, they're the Elon blockers, you know. Right, right. Pretty much. Yeah. So, but what's is is it a strange thing? Because he's your son still. I mean, he but he has. Oh, he's this... still the same. You know, when I'm with him and the kids, mm-hmm. he's just such a great dad and a great son, and he's mm-hmm. funny and sweet and mm-hmm. brilliant. <laughs> he's yeah, always been brilliant. My little, uh-huh. my little genius. So um, no, it's it's a joy that he's doing good work for the world. Yeah, it's interesting because I remember meeting Sergey Brin's parents and we were at a party. It's just like a casual party. And I, I they're from Russia. I think they're from Russia. And uh, I said, how do you think your son's doing? What do you, are you proud of your son? And the mother, who's a famous, I think she's a physicist. She said, oh, he didn't get his PhD. So we're very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, he did start Google. So that's a plus. And he does have billions of dollars. So maybe that's... And she's like, yes, but he didn't doesn't have his PhD. And I was laughing. Do you know? The it thing is, they are academic snobs. And I have many yeah. friends who are academic <laughs> star, snobs. And I yeah. remember a friend of mine, a PhD in psychology. Um, yeah. She was, <laughs> she was, uh, we were giving a talk in Durban in South Africa and uh, on eating disorders. She's a psychologist and I was the dietitian. And um, then we needed a, a ride to the airport. So this handsome, young, model guy offered to give me a ride. So she came with me, and then we were talking away, and then uh, he said, what's an MSE degree? <laughs> because he didn't know what a Master of Science degree was. And so when we were dropped off, she says, I don't care how gorgeous he is, you don't date somebody like that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's funny. They are academic snobs. They are indeed. They are indeed. They are indeed. But in terms of being a parent to someone with so much attention of them, is there anything you do now? I mean, I know you have a lot of grandchildren. I don't know if yes. your kids have yes, grandchildren. Yes, I spend a lot of time with them, although I'm not with them now. I haven't seen them for two weeks because um, – you know, we we just in isolation, yeah. Yeah, you should. They're trying yeah. to protect you, presumably, right? You yeah, look yeah. Fit. Everybody wants to protect me. <laughs> right? Yeah, you look fitter than Elon. I mean, right, I might be turning seventy-two, and I am in the high-risk category. I don't have underlying conditions. I'm very happy about that, but still, my kids don't want me out and running about, and of course, the world doesn't want anybody out and running about nowadays. Right, yes, right, yes. absolutely. And we've got to get back to Kimball because, of course, you asked me about Kimball and then I flipped over. So Kimball does farm-to-table restaurants. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they pretty much closed. He's doing some takeout, but um, struggling. And I think yeah. the whole restaurant industry is struggling terribly. Uh, I'm concerned about all his staff. He gets very sad with all the staff and all that. And the farmers that were supplying the farm to table as well. So that's very sad. But what he did do two weeks ago was plant a seed day. And mm-hmm. I it, noticed it was a week ago. And, and so um, we could plant seeds. You can plant seeds at your home, which I did in my pot, pot plant. Uh, you can plant in your gardens. And that gives you joy to get outside, watch them grow. And my little tomato seeds are growing nicely. I'll have to repot them today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, he, he, and he's, uh, you know, with Big Green, he's built uh, over 650 gardens, vegetable and fruit gardens and underserved schools. And I go with him to some openings and we've done media work about it. And it's just because uh, I'm a dietitian and he does give me some credit for that, that even though we struggled, we always had fruits and vegetables at home and we kept in good health. What is his thoughts on how it's going to return the restaurant business overall? Because that's really one of the hardest hit, hotel restaurants. Everyone's going to be hit, but that's one area that certainly... You you know, we haven't uh, been actually calling each other every day. Uh, at all. <laughs> We're all getting on with doing the best we can in our situations. So, um, you know, he, he will do the best he can for everyone he can. So uh, so that's all I know. And I'm sure he, he's sad. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's very About sad. what's happening. Yes. Um, so uh, last question. Um, you have, uh, Elon wants to die on Mars. When we did an interview, he said, I don't, I want to die on Mars, but not on landing, I, which was a very cute thing to say. Do you have any aspirations of going up in a rocket or, or the rest of your family? Well, you know, I guess um, I, I, I don't know if, if, I, if we're not coping well with two weeks in isolation, three months on a, or six <laughs> months on a rocket in isolation. I don't know how we're going to cope with those. Those are special yeah. people. But besides yeah. that, if all my grandchildren go, I'm certainly not going to be left behind. But I, I can't say I'll be among the first because all I'm right. not an engineer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what, I mean, let me end on this. What is your next plan? What is your next plan for the next? Uh, well, we're doing the best we can. We're doing positive messages on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm doing a lot of interviews uh, internationally, you know, like Russia and South Africa and China and everywhere. Um, My book is going to be published in so far in 20 countries and translated, but uh, it's all delayed because, of course, they can't. Yes, of course. Printing uh, factory aren't they can't print books. But um, so, but we're doing a, a lot of interviews every day, virtually. Which but is what's um, your plan? What is your what plan? What my plan? For your um, next well, thing. Well, I'm hoping that everything just comes back together because you can imagine I was on a plane every week. Yeah, with yeah, all absolutely. with all my exciting travels and talks and modeling jobs. Oh, we didn't even talk that much about modeling. I started modeling at 15. Who knew? Yeah, now we I'm did famous. a little bit. Yeah. Just hang in there. <laughs> just hang in there. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I just hope it will all return and be very busy. Yeah, be very busy. And your next, is there anything else you want to do with your life when you're thinking about the next chapter? I don't, you know, I, I just say like my, I'd make a plan, but the plan will change. It will all depend on, on what happens in the world in the next few weeks. 
Anyway, May, I really appreciate you coming on. And I really, I, 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 I urge people to read the book. It's a delightful book. It's called A Woman Makes a Plant, Advice for a Lifetime Adventure, Beauty and Success. Thank you for coming on the show. You can follow Thank me on you. Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Eric Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at HeyAESJ. May, where can people find you online and also the book? May Musk. It's so easy. On Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, I'm May Musk, M-A-Y-E-M-U-S-K. And you can order my book from my social media sites, or you can just go on a, online and find out who can send it to you. Amazon could be a bit slow at the moment, but the other booksellers might be able to mail it to you. Terrific. If you like this episode, we really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend and make sure to check out our other podcasts, Pivot, Reset, Recode Media, and Land of the Giants. Just search for them in your podcasting app of choice or tap a link in the show notes. Thanks also to our editor, Joel Rabe. Special thanks to Squadcast.fm. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Friday. Tune in then.